Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everybody, to episode nine of Strictly NFL. Uh, back again with Jeff. Obviously, I'm Khan. Um, eventful week. Eventful week. The Giants scale on the board for the second time this year with a W, so it feels great. Uh, the Jets didn't play, but they're coming off of a W two weeks ago, so you're still feeling great if you're a Jets fan. And uh, they match up this week, which is going to be real fun. But before we hop into that and more on this episode, I want to remind everybody that the Strickland does have a Patreon. Uh, there's a $3, $6, $9 tier where you get access to various, um, how would you want to, what would we call that, Jeff? Uh, opportunities? We call that t- tiers. Tiers, yes. And yeah. you get access to different <laughs> pods uh, with Schwinn on the Strick and Roll. Uh, you get this one, the full-length episode for this Strictly NFL episode in the $9 tier, if that would uh, fancy you. Then also, any prop, any bet, any spread you hear us talk about, it's all coming from Bet Online Sportsbook. They are the number one source for everybody's betting needs, where you can get the latest odds, lines, match reports, and much more for sports like baseball, World Series coming up soon, boxing, golf, obviously football like we're talking, and so many other sports. Uh, you can also live bet and play your favorite casino games right from your phone. So head over to the website and sign up today using the code BELIEVE, uh, capital B-L-E-A-V, all caps, for 50% off on your welcome bonus deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and now is where the football talk is going to start. So, we'd be remiss if we did not start talking with this Giants defense. They deserve all the praise in the world. Um, obviously, some players more than others who we're going to highlight. You know, everybody knows Dexter Lawrence, but there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to get into. So, Jeff, is there anything you really want to touch on first with this crew? Um. I actually want to start with someone who I don't think was the best defender in the game because I know you're excited to talk about probably Banks and Lawrence are the two you would, you're going to want to focus on. So I'm going to I'm going to spend a minute talking about Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I hope Giants fans are really starting to get excited about this guy. Um, he didn't really do anything. Uh, I mean, I mean, everybody saw the Miles Garrett game. He he didn't have a Miles Garrett game, you know. Like that, it, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like he was making these game changing yeah. plays. In fact, probably the play that everybody's going to remember the most on Sunday regarding Thibodeau is a negative play, the dropped interception. Like that that that's that's all over Twitter. Uh, I just thought it was another really really solid to good performance from him. Um, uh, in his last twelve games now, I saw this on Twitter today. He has eight and a half sacks, 12 quarterback hits, and 11 tackles for loss. That's just really good production. We talked um, before the season and the first couple weeks of the season that Pro Football Focus continually grades him out well, but he doesn't, he wasn't doing um, consistent high impact things that the Giants drafted him to do. Like when you draft a guy as high as they did as they drafted Thibodeau, they don't want him to be someone. It's like, 
oh, but he's making them run to the other side because of his presence. And like, yes, that's good. I'm not denying that that's important. But they drafted him that high to get in the backfield on passing plays and affect the quarterback. And he's starting to do that more regularly. And I think you're seeing how that kind of, you know, football is so um, connected. And if somebody's if somebody on a unit's playing well, that's going to make it easier for another player on the unit to play well. And so obviously you could say, okay, well, with Leo and Dexter Lawrence in the middle, maybe that's freeing Thibodeau up. But I would actually argue that the outsides make it, they free up the inside more because it's it's less justifiable to double team Dexter and Leonard Williams when you have a guy on the outside that you need to pay attention to. And Thibodeau is starting to make defenses have to pay attention to them. Even in a Wink Martindale scheme that doesn't let him go after the quarterback every single time, which people have to remember. You know, the the these aren't apples to apples situations. Like Chase Young, when Chase Young's on the field, he's almost always going after the quarterback. And Chase Young's awesome. Big Chase Young fan. I think yeah. he's really good. Uh, you sent me a funny text on Sunday that was like, is he the only positive on the entire Washington team? And it was like, yeah, like Chase Young, <laughs> what else do they really have on that team? And, you know, Jonathan Allen is basically about to break somebody, you know, like he, he's, he's, <laughs> he's done like that. That team is as weird as it sounds because they, I think they're three and four now and the Giants are two and three or two and five, excuse me. I actually feel a lot better about where the Giants are than the commanders after these last few weeks. And a big part of it is the defense and cave on Thibodeau. Um, and then of course, uh, uh, Devonte banks. So I'll send that over to you because that, that should be the lead. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing we've really been kind of clamoring for besides, you know, everybody can always play better. Right. So besides just being like, okay, can you play? Better I have than to, you I'm want? sorry. I jump in. I have to correct myself. Yeah. <laughs> Deontay Banks. Deontay, I, knew yeah, was, okay. I knew I was being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah, the the real one thing I don't want to say lacking, but that you could have been seeing more of to start the season for Deontay was ball skills. And that interception he made is something that you have to have an elite combination of one instincts, two athleticism to make that play. He's sitting, uh, I forgot exactly what coverage it was. I haven't made up that far yet in, in the film review, um, so forgive me on this. But he's very obviously in his zone. Uh, he sees or he has knowledge of the route that's coming from behind him. And then Bates I think it was just covered too, right? It, it might have been. Um, I, I'm not going to speculate too much, but essentially – He's Baden Howell, and he has knowledge of where the receivers kind of run into, like really what hit that receiver's uh, landmark is. So Bates Howell into the throw makes an over-the-shoulder catch on the run. I mean, there's there's only so much I can say that like hasn't been said already about that play. Just phenomenal. It's it's what you want to see when you're talking about ceiling too, right? From from a perspective of can this guy be our, our cornerback one? The coverage has to get more consistent, probably. I mean, there's some times where. Guys have been going up against Deontay and gotten open, but the quarterbacks just missed them. So things look a little bit better than they are. But the ceiling is there for everybody to see, and I don't think anybody would be denying that right now. Yeah, he's showing flashes in pretty much every aspect of being a quarterback that you want to see. Mm -hmm. like even even open field tackling, he's just been rock solid there. Um, 
and when he he, 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 you don't hear him too involved in many games because he's good in coverage, but when he is involved, he's impactful most of the time. I'd agree with you that an area he's going, I mean, he's a rookie, so this sounds ridiculous that we're like, oh, he's got to improve here. Like, yeah, rookies have to improve this system. (laughs) Um, But I do agree with you that it's clear he has, um, like, tactical improvements to make in coverage. Like, just his footwork and his uh, instincts, like, McLaurin broke open a few times in spots that you just don't want to see him falling behind him, but whatever. Like it was an awesome game from banks. Yeah. Um, and then it was also an awesome game from Dexter Lawrence, who was just, what else can you even say about that guy? He is just a menace in the middle. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I'm sure there are plenty of jets fans who are excited to hear about the jets after a week off week off. That, kind of scares me for the Jets. Like, you know, they've been they've been getting by with it recently, but let's not forget their offensive line is pretty uh they've kind of just threw it together, you know. They have a, they have injuries on the offensive line. It hasn't been great at moments. And now they're about to face a Giants defensive line that is peaking. And I could see them being very very disruptive for Zach Wilson and making his life kind of hell. I think the bigger takeaway is both of these teams kind of have a line that's thrown together, and we'll see what happens with Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz. But if those two guys are not back, I assume Joe Tittman is not going to play, although I'm waiting for um, an update later in the week from Rob Sala. This game, like, to, to just talk a little bit of betting too, the over-under is 37. Like, if if this hits anywhere close to 37, I'd be shocked. The strength of the Giants' is D-line, the strength of the defense is, uh, of the Jets' is defense in general. So, like, I don't, see, I don't see a lot of movement being done up and down the field from either of these teams. Uh, the only way that you get to 37 is probably a defensive score, no? Like, that has to be the way? Yeah. Do you, uh, do you expect... Uh, what, what about the, uh, the Sauce and Daniel Jones injury updates? Do you expect either to play just Sauce? Uh, I think Sauce is going to play. Daniel Jones, if he doesn't play this week, I'm starting to be skeptical Skeptical if he's going to come back this season. But Wow, that's, yeah. that's a hot take. Why, why, like, do you think that the Giants are – I mean, I, I do think it's something worth talking about. This is the second straight week. Like, I know the Giants only scored 14 points, but Taylor is making reads faster than Jones had all season long. And it's clearly helping, you know, it helped like Darren Waller, you know, he rose from the dead on Sunday. We didn't have him <laughs> even said his name yet. He was great. Yeah. Jalen Wyatt or Jalen Hyatt. Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm struggling. Um, Jalen Hyatt, best game as a pro probably. I don't. Yeah, is I would it, say so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that, uh, that hitch and go he ran along the right sideline was be- a thing of beauty. Um, Wandy only had one catch, but. I feel like that's more him just drawing attention and teams starting to realize that he's kind of the outlet option underneath. Uh, I don't think, I mean, first of all, the one catch he did have was awesome. You know, he, 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 he turned, he turned inside instead of outside, like they expected. And 
basically forced two commanders defenders to run into each other and got him an extra 20 yards. That was the thing of beauty. Um, but I think it all has to start with the quarterback and too many football fans are like, okay, well, if Tyrod Taylor is doing this, what would Daniel Jones have done? And it's like, no, maybe it actually is being caused by the head of the snake. Maybe Tyrod Taylor getting the ball out faster and going through his progressions faster is the reason that these receivers are starting to look better and the offense is starting to flow better. Um, once again, I felt like they left points on the board and that's kind of been the story of Tyrod Taylor's career. I'm not even arguing that he's like a starter level quarterback. He's not this, this is just pointing out how short Daniel Jones had fallen in his first five weeks as quarterback. In my opinion, what do you think? I I think that there's a very fine line between praising Tyrod for the job he's done and then kind of, uh, using it to say, like, Daniel Jones isn't a starting quarterback or something like that, right? And I think the pendulum swings way too far on that. I think Tyrod being behind as bad of a line as we've had the last couple weeks is probably better fit just because he's so much more laterally agile than Daniel Jones, right? Like, he can evade pressure a lot better than DJ, in my opinion, because DJ is, while he's a better runner, probably in a straight line, you know, he's not going to be able to make guys miss in the backfield and stuff like that which we've seen Tyra do a little bit of. But I also would say uh, to that point you brought up about Wandell kind of establishing himself as that into short to intermediate route guy. The the play that I posted last night, Tuesday night, uh, sorry, Monday night, I apologize, um, where it's the second play of the game, Washington's in cover two, and Hyatt just kind of finds a massive hole in that coverage to kind of get a vert route put up, to, uh, sorry, a go route put up to him. That's caused because not only is the safety really far back, but in that coverage, the cornerback is watching Wandale, and he sees Tyrod's eyes at the same time kind of reading Wandale first before he progresses to the other side of the field. So these guys are starting to be able to play off of each other, and the concepts are kind of really putting defenders in conflict. You're seeing it um, especially with the uh, the, the Wandale catch, I believe, it was last week where – no, sorry, the Darren Waller uh, crosser last week where he got hit within like five yards of the line of scrimmage, but then he ended up getting like 20 yards of yak on it because the, the other side of the field was cleared out. These guys are starting to play off of high at speed, and I think slowly but surely Tyrod's going to start to trust that, that that throw more to Hyatt on the boundary if he keeps getting starts. Um, I don't know if you yourself saw that that clip I posted, Jeff, but I, I feel like that's you know that that's a whole shot. You, you know, if you have confidence in your guy, you take that and you just throw a rope. Yeah, I did, and um, it's such a great point. Like leveraging advantages that are created is important on any sport, but especially football. And you have to have guys that can do it. Um, and the beauty is that if they're if they're connective and if they're both able to leverage each other's skill sets, like you have Wandy and Hyatt on one side, you can run counters and you can get both of them involved using the uh, the advantage the other creates to exploit holes in the defense. So like, yeah, Wandy's going to operate more on the first and second level and Hyatt's going to be more second and third level. But if they both can continue to improve and continue to be impactful in that way, you're going to see a lot of damage on that done on that side of the field. And again, you have Waller over the middle. You're really 
just one receiver away, honestly. Yeah, and to allude to that point, I had a tweet uh, over this past Saturday where I was like, if the Giants were to get a wide receiver one like a Marvin Harrison, maybe a guy like a uh, Romo Duns or somebody like that, even a I don't I don't really think of him in slight, but like an Emeka Ibuka, right? You start to round out that skill position, uh, just collection of guys, right, from Waller to Saquon to et cetera. And now you have a threat really at every level of the field. So um to kind of bring it back to the DJ versus Tyrod topic, I hate that we can't kind of root for both the teams. Like I'm not saying, you know, you you or myself is like not rooting for both of these guys, but a lot of the talk between the fans is divisive and I'm thinking to myself, Tyrod is reading defense is better. That's that's not disputable to me at this moment. But I also feel like it's important for DJ to maybe be taking a step back and seeing this stuff because on an arm talent basis, I don't think Tyrod is close to DJ. Um, and I think DJ's internal clock was going way too fast. And part of that is going to be because of the line, and that's that's fair. That's, you know, It's on him to kind of not let it influence him, but that's hard. So I think it's a good spot for him to come back soon with, with Andrew back, JMS maybe back. It seems like we have a surplus of options now kind of in a way because Evan Neal didn't play and we had Tyree Phillips step in at right tackle and do a decent job. So you add that into Bredesen, Pugh, McKeithen at guards. There's a lot of options. Maybe you kick Neal in at some point. You know, it gives you four playable guards. I mean, we could be looking at the best possible outcome for this line, as crazy as it sounds for me to say that at this point in the season. I just wish there was a way to, like, go back in time and talk to you before the season and show you a clip of you being like, yeah, the line's peaking. We've got Justin Pugh, you know, like, and, and just, just, just to see what your reaction would have been. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this. I would, this is a, as optimistic as I could have been if Neil didn't take the lead because Bredesen to me is a fine, more than fine left guard. I think he really holds his own there. JMS gave me a lot of reason to be optimistic just from a floor perspective. I think if you've been in the Strickland Discord, you've, you've seen me talk about this a little bit. I think his floor is incredibly high. He always wins, wins leverage, and his hands are so consistent. So when you put that together, him being just you know a really strong dude and knowing how to play the position, it's, it's easy to see him being a rock on this line for years. Then I think Pew, you know, you don't love him at tackle because he's going to be slower compared to most speed rushers, but if you've got him at guard, you know, I, I feel like that's pretty solid. It gives you, you know, a pretty decent rock next to Neil if you play him at right tackle. And if you don't really like what you're seeing from Neil, Tyree Phillips played a good game against a pretty decent uh, pass rusher in Montez Sweat. So things aren't perfect by any means. And I'm not saying this is going to be like a top 10 line or something, but when everybody's healthy on this line, there is no excuse for Daniel Jones to not be functional. And there's no excuse for him to not only not be functional, like you have to be running on a good offense because I think we're past the, there's no talent over here in the pass catcher rooms. Like Waller very clearly still has his juice. He's pacing for 85 catches for 900 plus yards and three touchdowns this year. Saquon is healthy. Hyatt showing what he can do. Wandale. We had a tweet about it this week. A lot of yards after catch juice over there. And he's not really dropping balls either. So I haven't even talked about Slayton, who's just a solid player overall. Um, so, yeah, if Jones doesn't take it a step up from Tyrod, I'm ready to kind of end every conversation. But until that, I'm I'm going to keep the candle lit for him. 
is there any worry for you? Because uh, you li- you just said, like, if he doesn't start this week, you're skeptical he's going to start again the rest of the season. Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate to that, is there any worry to you that Tyrod comes in, he gets the Bills and the uh, Commanders, the Bills defense, with all their injuries recently, has not been good recently. Has not been good these last few weeks. And then the Commanders' pass defense just isn't good. Is there any worry to you that it's just kind of unfair to Jones to be like, okay, this is the standard now. The offense is clearly like you're seeing these quick reads. Go do it. And then throwing him back out there against the Jets. Like, Is there any value to just giving Tyrod one more week against a great Jets defense, keeping that continuity and then making sure Jones is healthy against the Raiders, who are a softer defense. Even if Jones is 90% this weekend, is there any merit to that? Uh, I think there probably would be. Um, is it a decision that I would be in favor of? I mean, I don't think so, because he got paid $40 million for him to not be in that kind of discussion. However, Tyrod hasn't given me a reason to be like, I'm not confident in this guy playing against the Jets, right? So. More than anything, I think Andrew Thomas not being back is a bigger reason to hold out Jones than the, the matchup. That's that's how I view it. Yeah, and I mean it's an exciting matchup both ways. Like we should we should spend a few minutes talking about the Jets at least because mm-hmm. they're coming off, you know, win of the season, uh, beating a great Eagles team that turn around and beat a really good Dolphins team. Um, I, I actually like the Giants in this game. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be on the same side. I, I especially like that they're getting points. Like if I was a better, I would just want to bet Giants money line because I just think they can win this game over 40% of the time or whatever they need for it, that to be a good bet. But I like the matchup for them too. I, you know, we talked a bunch about their line. I think they're going to be able to get in the backfield. You know, the, the Jets played a really good game against the Eagles and, one thing that I sort of like that Nathaniel Hackett did is he said, we're not running the ball at all like against this defense. It's not going to happen. And so I don't care that Zach Wilson's our quarterback. We're just going to put the ball in his hands and we're going to win or lose with him throwing the ball, you know, a bunch. And the pass to run ratio was pretty skewed and it worked out for them. Um, I, I, think they're going to have to do something similar against the Giants because I don't know. I mean, look, Brees Hall is great, but this Giants line right now is terrifying, and I don't know what they're going to be able to do, except the Giants defensive line is actually a little bit scarier because not only can they stop the run, but apparently they can just get into the backfield whenever they want. Like this, the, These three guys are just Leonard Williams and, uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence. They're just in unison just every play they're a threat to be impacting quarterback. And I don't know if the Jets offensive line, which held up against the Eagles, but let's be frank, is not, you know, a very good offensive line with Zach Wilson in the pocket. I don't know how well they're going to hold up. I expect the game to be low scoring and the lower scoring the game, the more volatility there is. I, I kind of just trust Tyrod Taylor over Zach Wilson in a (laughs) game like that, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, I don't think uh, Jet Giants money line is a bad play per se. I, I think that's probably the play if you're going to take uh, you know any type of spread or money line whatever in this game. I think 
the X factor is going to be how that interior for the Jets holds up, right? Because I can tell you right now, if Andrew Thomas and JMS aren't back, the Giants aren't going to hold up. But as we've seen, neither of these teams really needs points from the offense to win ball games. So uh, to me, it, it, this is this is a really tough call. Uh, I think the Giants have the best player in in this matchup in Dexter Lawrence. That, that's that's my personal opinion. I mean, people are going to say Gary Wilson sauce. I, I just take the D lineman over the receiver and the DB. When you have that potential matchup with him against McGovern, and then I believe uh, I forgot who who came in for Joe Titman at the end of that game last week. Um, I think that's the most exploitable matchup on the field, just from from a one on one standpoint. You know, you have Garrett, but. Deontay and Adoree hopefully playing. They're not guys who you can really pick on. And I think the safety play for the Giants past the past week two first half has been fantastic. Um, yeah, just to jump, jump in here for a second. You know, uh, Xavier McKinney had that quote that made basically no Giants fan happy. You know, they, they jumped all over him. And when he was when he said after that one loss, he said, uh, the one thing we're not going to do is blame the defense. Yeah, and I don't think many Giants fans liked, you know, the lack of accountability and just sort of the divisiveness that a quote like that creates. But he's backed it up. I thought he played a great game on Sunday. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's played a fantastic game, and I think one of the most underrated storylines for this defense is that they don't they don't really skew one way to two high, one high, or cover zero, and. Whenever they are in a one high, you don't know if it's going to be McKinney or Pinnock who's who's playing that middle of the field because they're they're both pretty good at it and they're both really good in the box. So, uh, to just to give some some highlights to uh to Pinnock for what he's done and Cordell Flott from the slot who's been playing really well. Um, the young the young guys in the secondary they're holding up, and they're bringing it in the run game too, which is going to be huge this week. Um, because if Brees Hall's getting to the second level, he's a hard man to stop. And uh, when he's in the second level, it's hard to stop from scoring, especially. But they got they got their work cut out for him. Uh, this is probably besides Washington this week. I think McGovern's one of the easier matchups that Dex is going to have. And if Titman's out, I just looked it up. It's Wes Schweitzer. I hope I said that correctly. That's going to be uh, in there at, at right guard. Lincoln's also at left guard, and he hasn't really been fantastic. Uh, he had a, he had a good game, I believe it was against. I think it was against the Eagles, and he had another good game against the, I think, the Bills earlier this year. But not nobody of Dexter Lawrence's caliber. So if there if there's somebody who's going to swing this game, I don't know. It's cliche to say it's going to be Dex, but it has to be him. You know, it has to be him. I think Kayvon going against Mackay and Max Mitchell. I think those guys, especially Max, are pretty underrated just because he's not a starter. That doesn't mean he's not good. You know, he came in against the Eagles, and he played a really good game against a team with good pass rushers. So. I'm looking at Dex. I'm looking at Okereke, too. Big time looking at Okereke because stopping the run is not only on Dex, it's also on him and Mike McFadden. There's a lot of plays from this last week that I'm going to have uh, posted on a thread later today where Okereke is just – this is also credit to Leo for, for soaking up blocks, but Okereke is reading plays faster than I can read a children's book, bro. It's nuts. He's And the way that he's taking on blocks at the point of attack – it's really smart. This is uh, on the first play against the Commanders. I noticed this. Brian Robinson was cutting it back to the left, which is Okereke's right. 
And when he takes on his block, he takes on the block with his left shoulder so that his right arm stays free. And then that lets him hold up Brian Robinson until the cavalry comes. They get a tackle for only a one-yard gain, when if he just took on the block head-on, it could have been like a four, five, six-yard gain. So little things like that is really showing me how comfortable he is in this game right now, and it's giving me a lot of reason for hope. One small shout-out I want to give, because I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that the Giants' defense's best 11-man unit involves this guy, um, ideally. And I thought Isaiah Simmons probably had his most impactful play as a member of the Giants at the end of that game. Um, you know, Okereke and McFadden have pretty much broken out. You know, like, with the linebacker... I don't know if they make the Simmons trade if they knew they were getting this Bobby Okereke and this, <laughs> this Micah McFadden. But most uh, most schemes, you know you have a third linebacker in there and Simmons brings something different. And so it would be nice if all three could be on the field together. And the way he got into the backfield and disrupted Howell on that last play, forcing him left, forcing him out of the pocket. Does Howell probably still have to make that throw? Yes. Like he probably does, but the, the throw is made. If Simmons, it doesn't make the play he does. Um, I just think, Giants fans should be encouraged by that, and I hope he keeps coming along because, you know, we've mentioned four to five defensive backs. We've mentioned three linemen, and we've mentioned two linebackers. This could be a really good defense. Like, yeah. this, this is a this is a three-level defense that is playing really well right now, and Isaiah Simmons has a chance to be a part of that. Um, I don't... I don't see why the Giants wouldn't keep working him into their schemes because, as you said to start the season... I I mean his his uh sideline sideline speed is maybe unrivaled on the Giants for linebackers. Like I know Okereke has done a lot of things well, but Isaiah Simmons is freaking freak. Like like when it comes to like his speed. Um and if the Jets are gonna do something this week, I actually think it's more likely to be uh up the seams and in the middle than it is on the outsides. Uh and I think that if the Jets continue to go with their set, their 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 multi tight end sets that don't include a lot of Jeremy Ruckert, I think they're going to regret it this week because neither Uzoma um, or uh, God damn it, who's there? Ta- who's Tyler there? Conklin. Tyler, Tyler Conklin. Conklin. I always think it's the other guy that they used to have, Stalker or whatever. Do you remember that? Like. <laughs> They, for some reason, I, I always confuse the two, and it's like in my head, it's like a word jumble. But yes, Tyler Conklin, I think they'll regret, you know, running those two over Jeremy Ruckert because neither of them is creating space at all. And I think that's the most exploitable part of the field uh, in the Giants' defense right this moment. Although, honestly, Bobby Okereke might have something to say about that because the Bills tried to do that over the middle, and Okereke apparently could step up when you thought it was a run <laughs> and then just jump up in the air and deflect any Josh Allen pass. So I, I don't even know about that. This Giants defense is just, it's, it's a terror, man.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.